Welcome back to the Scarlet Faithful Podcast. I'm Aaron Brightman. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the podcast Mike Teal to talk about Rutgers football and being bowl eligible before Halloween on its bye week. Mike, thanks so much for being back. I appreciate it. Like we were just talking before we started this. Can't believe that you know we're three quarters of the way through already. It's unbelievable how fast it's gone. But good things for the Scarlet Knights being bowl eligible before Halloween. I guess uh Winning makes time fly, and uh, it's been it's been a, a great season so far. Uh, just want to know you kind of I guess that your biggest takeaways or impressions from this team so far this season. Well, I think what is it five and zero at home right now. Um, you know, I think that's important, especially now being in the Big Ten. You have to be able to defend your home field. They're they're two and zero against teams at home in the Big Ten. Um, you know, so they've done what they've needed to do. They've won the games that they've supposed to have won and the games that were kind of a, a toss up, you know, early on, I'd say the Virginia Tech game, you know, never knowing how they're going to be. They're a good opponent out of the, the ACC, um, Northwestern in the opener, um, you know, and then last week at Indiana, they've won the games that, you know, were were on the schedule preseason saying these are must win games. And that's, you know, what's gotten the six wins so far. And how much, uh, you know, there's been some comparisons already to, to your freshman year, 2005, and kind of that first team under Shiano's first run that was able to get to a bowl game. Uh, how many? How much similarity, I guess, do you see in terms of being able to win those games that you talked about, you know, matchup games, winnable games? Uh, and and while, you know, there's, they haven't necessarily beaten a, a winning team on their schedule yet, they've beaten all the games that they needed to win. So far, how, how how important is that in the development of a program in terms of taking that next step? Yeah, I mean, if you just go back to last year, that didn't happen, right? So it happened this year, and you can say, you know, whatever you want. You can only play the teams that are on your schedule, and obviously the schedule is going to get a little more difficult as we get into November here. Um, but for the fact that they've beaten the teams that they've lined up and played that they were supposed to beat and they had a chance to beat, you know, they play Michigan tough into the third quarter or really into the fourth quarter and a wide receiver screen gets intercepted, which I've never seen in like the history of college football, you know, for a pick six. So, you know, but they're playing them tough on the road, 17-7 in the fourth quarter, you know, against the number two or three team in the country, whatever they're ranked right now. So, you know, I think there's been uh, there's been improvement and, and there's been development in the program and you've been able to see it on Saturdays, which is so important because, again, I think we talk about this back, you know, during training camp in the offseason, that there can be development that, that happens without winning games. And people don't want to hear that because it's all about winning and losing. Um, they've been able to go through that development. And fortunately for them, they've been able to develop and win, which is so important because now going forward, they're going to get those extra 15 practices this offseason. And that's or not even the offseason, this bowl season. And that's where the young guys really develop and really have a chance to play. And it springboards them into the spring where they get to play again and then training camp in the following year. So it's just a cycle that they haven't had, had a chance to to really get through yet that they're finally going to get, which is extremely important for all those guys. And uh, you had it both ways as a player in terms of, you know, uh, achieving bowl eligibility pretty early on. And obviously you guys had, you know, even more to play for in terms of division titles, but then you had other seasons where, you know, you were going to that last couple of games, getting bowl eligible. How much does he think it helps this specific team uh, now, you know, going into that final month, uh, harder competition, but knowing they have that bowl game in their pocket 
Um, do you think it'll, it, you know, it positively impact their, their mentality, so to speak, maybe play a little bit looser, what type of, I guess, any change in, in helping them uh, now that things will get tougher? Yeah, you know what? I don't think so. I think if they had a loss to Indiana and still had to find one to get bowl eligible, that's when you start to press. That's when, you know, it becomes a little more difficult. I think right now, though, this team, they have an identity. They know who they are on both sides of the ball, really all three phases of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. Um, they're going to run the football on offense. They're going to try to set up third and shorts. They're going to protect the quarterback who's gotten better as time's gone on. Um, the defense is going to play, you know, at an extremely high level. I think, you know, as good of a defense as you can find in, in the Big Ten Conference. Um, you know, so for them, they're just going to continue to play with confidence. They're going to continue to do what they do. Um, and really, you know, as, a, as an outsider, a media person, a fan, I think this team really has an identity finally, which they haven't had in such a long time. And it's really good to see because – you know, those players, the kids, the coaches can fall back on who they are and what they've talked about all year when times gets tough. And I think that they've done that at certain points during the season. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think it starts with uh, the identity of the of the offense with the run game and Kyle Manungai, uh leading the Big Ten and rushing right now. Obviously, you coached him in high school. How, how much fun has it been to see his development this year and become the player that he has not just as a rusher, but, you know, seeing the, the blocking clips and just a, a complete football player and how important he is to the success of this team. Yeah, I mean, listen, everyone sees it on Saturday because he's been so good at really everything. He's been, you know, he's been a an every down back, whether it's running the football, whether it's, you know, pass protection, whether it's third and short when they need a guy to fall forward for a yard. He's really done all of it, but it starts in the offseason and, and he was committed to the weight room. He's committed to being you know, a big time college football player. And you can see the work that he's done in the offseason in the weight room with Jay Butler and with the strength staff translate to the field. He's run away from guys this year where he hasn't in the past. Like he hasn't been able to break those 50, 60 yarders for touchdowns because he gets caught. This year he's he's outrunning everyone. And I think that's a credit not only to the strength staff and JB, but to him to being committed to really – continuing the transformation of his body and then going out and playing on Saturdays. And again, it all goes back to being able to be out there and play. He's a physical player. He runs the ball really hard. Uh, and I'm sure he's not feeling great most of the time just because of the way that he plays and the physicality that he brings to the game. But he gets up every time and he gets back in the huddle and he does it over and over and over again. And he's made the defense quit, you know, as the season's gone on and, and the, the game's gone on. And he's continued to play. And uh, talking about another player that's faced a lot of adversity is uh, Gavin Wimsett. Uh, you kind of hinted at his improvement throughout the season. Um, you know, I, I obviously he he still has a little bit of struggles with accuracy, but at the same time, you know, I think just his ability to respond to adversity for me has been what's most impressive. You know, he hasn't ever really gotten rattled. He continues to battle, and he continues to make plays when he has to make plays. I thought that fourth down conversion. You know, pass play to Dremel was huge in that game against Indiana. Uh, what's impressed you most about him and his development this year? Yeah, I mean, I think you just said the word development, and there's been development. You know, everyone wants him to be ready to go win the Heisman, right? And that's just not realistic, right? There, there's, uh, I think for for what he's been given and the pieces that have surrounded him, he's done exactly what the coaching staff has wanted, right? He he hasn't 
necessarily lost him any games. Uh, he, he, you know, he didn't play great last week. Um, you know, people will say he hasn't, you know, thrown for a ton of yards and all that. But, you know, Kyle Manunga is leading the Big Ten in rushing. That's what they're going to do. That's what they want to be. They want to run the football. His job is to make sure they stay on the field, convert third downs, convert fourth downs, continue drives, eat up clock, um, you know, control the football. And, and he's done everything that they've asked him to do. And, you know, I think I was just speaking with someone else, I think, earlier this morning. There's been times where the game, you can really see that it had slowed down for him, right? He's seeing things clean. He's getting through progressions. And then there's other times where it's still moving a little quick, but that's expected to be a young player and a young quarterback. And, you know, a kid really who's in this system for the first year, right? Kirk Soraka got here in January or February, whenever it was. So, you know, it hasn't even been a full calendar year since he's been learning the system. Uh, I think he's done a very good job, you know, of what they've asked him to do. And to your point, he's made critical game-changing plays when needed. Um, and ultimately, you look at, you know, the course of a game, there's two or three plays in each phase that wins, you know, wins you the game. You don't necessarily know it then. But that fourth down conversion that you just mentioned, that's one of those critical plays that keeps him on the field and ultimately changes the game. And he's been able to make those so far. And I anticipate that he's going to continue to get better and he's going to continue to make plays like that. Uh, the offensive line, you know, has, has, I think, been a bit of a pleasant surprise this year. Pat Flaherty, obviously a great offensive line coach. They've kind of settled in on a, a starting rotation now the last, uh, I guess, two or three games now. Reggie Sutton making an amazing comeback. Uh, how impressed have you been in terms of just the development they've had? And, uh, you know, Indiana, I mean, they really were just like controlling the game from the start. And uh, I think from where we maybe thought they were at the beginning of the year to now, um, just how much progress do you think they really have made? Yeah, I mean, I think you start with that Reggie Sutton story. It's pretty remarkable, right? And I didn't realize how intense and, and really bad that injury was, um, just not being really involved with the program when it did happen, um, you know, or, or paying much as, it, as much attention as, as I should have. So that's just an unbelievable story and couldn't be more proud and happy for, for him. Um, but I think you look at what Pat Flaherty has done, and I think that the success that Rutgers has been able to have running the football is directly correlated to the impact that Pat Flaherty's had on the offensive line and, and really the whole offense, right? Again, they have that identity that they haven't necessarily had in, in the last couple of years. They're going to run the football. They're going to lean on you. Um, they're going to, you know, get these fourth and shorts late in the game when they want to continue to run the clock out. You know, Michigan State, they got the ball back with seven minutes and they finished with taking a knee. Um, you know, that's hard to do, you know, and you can say, again, whatever you want about Michigan State, they're still Big Ten guys that lined up across from them. They were able to do that. You know, same thing with, with Indiana, running the football late in the game when they need to end the football game. You know, truly, uh, I think that the remarkable turnaround and being able to run the football is directly correlated to, you know, Coach Pat Flaherty. And uh, speaking more on the offense, the wide receiver group, you know, obviously they've had some adversity, uh, you know, missing Chris Long and Nassim Brantley most of the year, uh, just in terms of they haven't had one particular guy become a star, but all four of them, you know, Dremel obviously has been uh, the most consistent, but then you have uh, Isaiah Washington's had a good year, J uh, Jaquay Jackson, freshman Ian Strong. How impressive have you been in terms of like Dave Brock, his ability to get the most out of these guys? I think the biggest challenge with those guys is, you know, Rutgers just haven't, hasn't really thrown the ball a lot. So to keep those guys engaged, right, they're receivers. They want to go out and they want to catch the ball, right? Mm -hmm. That's what every receiver wants to do. 
Um, but for, for Dave Brock to be able to keep them engaged, keep them, you know, continuing to, to block in the secondary and block downfield, that, that's hard to ask. And, you know, people will say, well, that's what they're supposed to do when they don't run a pass. So, yeah, but when you throw the ball 13 times in a game and you're asking a receiver to go block 55, 60 times, that, that's a lot. You know, and I think he's done a really good job of developing those guys and, and really doing whatever needs to be done to win the game. You know, you talk about the development of some of the players, like, you know, no one would have said Dremel, Christian Dremel would have been kind of the, the, the prime third down conversion receiver that's going to, you know, we always knew that he had some, some ability to move in the slot and get himself open. But, you know, he's run routes vertical down the field. He's run routes inside, matched up against linebackers or safeties. Uh, and he's continued to win, you know, week in and week out. And, you know, like you mentioned, some of the younger guys have started to develop. A guy like Ian Strong, uh, he reminds me of a guy who I played with named Kenny Britt as a freshman. You know, played a little early on, got a little more confident, started to play more and more. And then by the end of the year, was seeing significant stat, snaps. That, that's how it was for Kenny. And I think that's, you know, kind of what's happening with, with Ian out there. You know, there's not many guys on the roster that look like him, you know, so you got to find a way to, to give him something he's comfortable with, but he'll be able to go out there and, you know, and run routes and catch the ball. So you know, overall, I think they've, they've done a good job. Um, haven't had a ton of opportunities, but when they have, for the most part, they've, they've stepped up and made plays to, you know, either stay on the field or score touchdowns. You, uh, you mentioned it before Jay Butler strength coach. I think one thing that's really stood out even against Wisconsin and Michigan is that, you know, this team looks like a big 10 team now. Uh, and I think their physicality, the way they, uh, you know, you mentioned the blocking, everyone blocks on offense, everyone swarms the ball on defense. How important has that, I guess, being in year four, having that strength program under Butler uh, be a direct correlation to what we're seeing now on the field? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's always in, in any college program, the, the most important guy outside the head coach is a strength coach because they spend the most time with that guy. They spend, you know, three quarters of the year you know, with the strength coach in a way, I mean, even during the season, they're still spending, you know, one or two days a week, you know, doing recovery and doing maintenance and doing maintain lifts and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think JB has proven time after time that he's one of the best in the country. Um, he's, he's really changed the way that they physically look. You know, if you put the, the starting 11 on each side, you know, offense and defense up against any team, you know, physically, they're going to look just as good as, as the other guys. The, the thing that, you know, Rutgers is still lacking in the Big Ten is that overall team depth, you know, on both sides of the football, but much better, much, much better than it's been. Um, and it only continued to get better as these young freshmen that have been recruited come in, get into the program. It takes two or three years for some of those guys to really develop and be ready to go. But, you know, the bowl and, and getting those 15 extra days of practice is going to help expedite that process for so many of these guys. I think We'll come into the spring next year and say, man, a lot of these guys developed a lot during this offseason. And you can go back and credit it to those 15 practices during bowl prep. So I got to ask you about uh, the Michigan State game. Chris Carlin gave you credit. I was listening, I was listening to you on the radio and uh, that you had mentioned before the, the muff punt uh, that turned the whole game around that you, you kind of hinted that we need this to happen for things to change. Uh, I guess how, how amazing was it to call that that fourth quarter live? And uh, just the momentum that built from that. And uh, I guess, were, were you surprised that when that first play happened, how quickly they were able to turn the tide? Yeah, I mean, that game, you look at it, and for three quarters, Rutgers got dominated. They, they couldn't really do anything. They had zero momentum. They had, 
you know, kind of that look on the sideline. It's like, here we go again. Um, you know, and they, they just needed a spark and they couldn't do it on offense. They, they weren't able to create, you know, create scoring opportunities on defense. They got a couple turnovers, but you know, it just, it was just one of those days for the team. And then, you know, they, they had, I think it was a, an illegal formation or whatever the penalty was. Um, and right before that break, you know, I said to Chris and Eric, I said, man, it'd be great if the punter, you know, drops the snap here, the ball's wet. It's a, it's a, terrible day out need something like that to happen and then and then it happens and then talk about a game of momentum shift right it goes polar opposite for both teams rucker sideline is bouncing up and down michigan state has their head down they're hiding under the you know the the canopies because of the weather um and just everything went right i mean who would have drawn up that michigan state lines up an onside kick you know special teams kick return two times in a row with 10 and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how you do that. It's beyond me. And, you know, but you give credit to Rutgers. They saw it the first time they kicked it away and they got the punch back. They lined up in the second time Michigan state lined up in the same defense or the same, you know, uh, kick return defense and, and they pooch it down there and the ball bounces their way, which obviously you need that to have a comeback like they, they had. And, you know, and then the rest of his is history. So Credit to, to you know, the, the team for continuing to fight, finally getting that one break, and then, you know, really the floodgates open and the momentum, you know, completely switched for them. And uh, we haven't talked too much about the defense. Just a couple more for you, but just in terms of the step that this defense has taken under Joe Harris-Simiak's second year, um, and, you know, so many uh, veterans back on this defense, uh, how impressed have you been just with their performance and their ability to kind of take that next step this year? Yeah, I mean, I think they've been great. They, they've added a couple additions. I think of Flip Dixon in the back end at safety. He's done a very good job. I mean, he's been all over the field. I mentioned that on the radio against Michigan State, too. He, he's literally, you know, involved in every play, run and pass. He, he's been a real difference maker back there. Um, you know, I think overall, they probably haven't gotten as good as they, they can be right now. The, the defensive line, I think, has played good but not great because they have the ability with some of those guys up front to play great. The linebacking group, I think, has played very well. The loss of Tareem Powell, I think, is is going to be pretty significant. I mean, he's been playing, you know, at All-American type, you know, caliber defensive player so far this season. And so, you know, that's a big loss for them. And I think uh, it'll be tough to make up that type of, um, you know, player and, and the numbers that he brings. But uh, you look at guys, you know, across the board, I, I think that overall the defense under – the defensive coaching staff, they know who they are. They know what they want to be. They're sound. Um, they don't have a lot of, of uh, mental errors. They have some physical times where they just get beat, which, you know, as a coach, that's, that's okay. But they, they line up, they play fast. They know what their assignments are. They're well coached. Um, they kind of look like a Shiano defense. Um, and, and they've given really the team a chance to, to win just about every game they've played so far this year. Yeah, and I think one thing that stands out too is like if you think about like who's the MVP of the defense, I think you come up with four, you know, between Dixon, Mo Teray, Aaron Lewis, um, you know, Longerbeam has been fantastic. I mean, there's been so many guys that have stepped up and been great. Teray's been a, a great story as well um, in terms of his injury return. Uh, how important has his his comeback been for the development of the defense? 
I think, I mean, for, for the defense, it's perfect timing, right? Especially with, with Powell going down because he has, you know, last year and in, in, in his career so far, he's been an edge guy where he's a pass rusher, you know, and he's very good at it. But now he's, he's playing linebacker. He's standing up. He's dropping in, you know, on, on passing situations. He's dropping into zones and playing zone defense. He's, you know, rerouting receivers off the line of scrimmage. I mean, he, he looks the part and he's playing the part. And, you know, he's been able to diversify his game. He's able to do so many different things, which, you know, they really didn't ask him to do in the past. But um, to have a guy like him be able to step in and, and now play, you know, I would assume that he's probably going to play a lot of the inside linebacker position um, with Tareem going down. Uh, it's nice to be able to have a guy of that caliber uh, step in, you know, and be able to make plays for you. So looking ahead uh, for November, obviously they have Ohio State coming in uh, in a week and a half. Uh, they're also uh, going to be at Penn State. You have, uh, you know, at Iowa and Maryland as well. Uh, you talked about their identity and being a running team. I, I guess how much do you expect maybe them to open things up a little bit in terms of the past game when they face Ohio State? Do you think that, you know, maybe they'll take a few more chances uh, or is it really about just, doing what they do best in terms of that run game and, and even trying to, you know, do that against Ohio state. I think the game dictates that, right. I think they, obviously they know who they are. They know who they want to be. So, you know, two weeks from now when they play Ohio state, you know, the first quarter, if they come out zero, zero or three, nothing or seven, nothing, but they've had some success running the ball. They obviously are want to slow down the game. I think they continue to do what they do. And, you know, until it gets to like a two a two score game, that's when maybe you have to start to press a little bit and, and open it up because you know, listen, Ohio State can score. They have the best receiver in college football on that team. Um, you know, they, they have talent across the board. But if you keep it close and, and you're able to play your game, you do what you do. Um, if it starts to get away a little bit and you start to have to score, then you're going to have to open it up. But uh, I think overall, you know, you've gotten the six and two at this, you know, at this point of the season by doing what you've done. You know, you go on the road, uh, you know, obviously you have, you have Ohio State, but then you go on the road to, to Iowa and Penn State. Iowa, you play your game. You know, it's going to be a low scoring slugfest. It's going to be old school Big Ten football. It might be seven nothing the winner. Um, so Iowa's offense isn't very good. Rutgers defense is good. And, you know, Iowa's defense is good and Rutgers offense is uh, is not as good as the defense right now, right? So, you know, you, you go in there, you, you know you're going to play your game. You go out to Penn State, you can probably, again, play your game there too and, you know, keep it close. So again, Penn State's a very good team this year, but you keep it close and you have a chance in the fourth quarter to win and then you finish at home against Maryland and, you know, who knows what team you get there. Maryland's kind of been, you know, one or the other. They've been a little bipolar. They're either scoring 50 points or they're scoring 10 points. So hopefully you get them when they're not clicking on offense and, and you control the game and you slow it down and you run the football and, you know, you come out of there and you win two out of the last four and, you know, you end up with eight wins on the season. That's, that's a pretty darn good year. A lot of people sign up for that at the beginning of the season. Yeah, that would be amazing. And obviously would improve their bowl uh, projection status as well. Um, last question for you, just in terms of uh, what you're looking for most in terms of the development of this team, the, the last four weeks of the regular season. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, in three phases on, on offense, play a complete game and score points when when you get opportunities. The defense has created turnovers this year for you, and you haven't really been able to convert on those opportunities. So you know, I think that goes to 
giving a little more to Wimsett as, as the season has gone on and continuing to give him a little more and throwing the ball down the field. And, you know, that, that intermediate and deep stuff makes it a lot easier to run the football when you're able to complete some of those, you know, 15, 18 yard, you know, in routes. And then those, some of those vertical deep balls down the field, even if you don't hit them, it gets the secondary thinking about it a little bit. And, you know, I know going forward, they're going to see a lot of too high defenses. So, if you can get those safeties to start to think a little bit about the pass instead of be downhill on a run right away, it's going to help to open it up. You know, defensively, you know, I think for, for them to, I think, call this year a success, their, their defensive line is going to have to turn it up. Aaron Lewis and, and those guys are going to have to get after the passer, and they're going to have to really cause, cause problems in the backfield, both in the run, you know, run game and in the pass game. Um, you can't ask the secondary to be in man coverage one-on-one, you know, for, for four or five seconds at a time. So get to the quarterback and then on special teams, try to steal some, right. They, they got one last week. They stole, they stole a block punt against Indiana. Um, you know, try to steal something, block field goal, block punt, you know, a kick return to change field position, whatever it might be, but, but don't lose the game in, in that phase. And, you know, I think overall they, they've got a, you know, a good setup to, to go into this last quarter of the season. Rutgers, great. Mike Teal, always a pleasure to talk to you. We all look forward to uh, your call against Ohio State in two weeks. Thanks so much for being here and all your great insight once again. Appreciate it, Aaron. Thanks for having me.